0: Welcome back to The Lion Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's guest was someone that I consider to be a friend and someone that I greatly appreciate and respect. It's Dr. Ganoum. Dr. Ganoum is a repeat guest, and he is one of the preeminent experts in the world of mycology, specifically studying fungus, that exists within our guts. So the microbiome is a very popular topic, particularly around the bacteria that exists within our microbiome, within our guts. And Dr. Ganoum has pioneered the research around the fungus that cohabitates within that bacteria and the impact that it has. He's one of the preeminent experts in this topic, in this field, and I'm just so grateful to share his perspectives with us today. Before we get started, I wanted to share that the six-week Align Method Online program is presently on sale and will be on sale for this week only. So if you guys are interested in sorting out your joints, getting some mobility throughout your ankles and your hips and your shoulders and all the major joints in your body, and also learning how to start to integrate more effective movement patterns into your daily life as well, we go through some breath work exercises and some mindfulness exercises. That is presently on discount and it is a six-week program. Each week is easy easily and concisely broken down into actionable tips and tools that you can utilize into your daily life, you can jump over to alignpodcast.com slash method to get yourself a discounted rate on the six-week Align Method online program. That's alignpodcast.com slash method. All right, let's get back to the podcast with my guy, Dr. Ganu. I've been so excited to get to record with you again, man. It's been too long.
1: Honestly, that likewise. When they when she told me, then I say, ah, oh, that would be fun. I
0: remember. Good. <laughs> Last time we were recording inside of a sauna in my my place in Santa Monica.
1: You should see many people when they saw that. They they came back to me. They were laughing, killing themselves because remember, I was dressed up and this sort of thing. <laughs> and then I say, I say, okay, do you have shorts?
0: <laughs> Before I record conversations like this or during like the last one we were inside the sauna i went for a little run and then i jumped into there's a river by my house called ladybird lake i'm in austin texas i jumped in there and i swam around a little bit i listened to some music and then i came back and there were some other nutritional things but i'd be interested to hear your perspective of the impact of some of these activities environmental conditions on the state of our the bugs that exist within us?
1: Uh, no doubt about it. I mean, it really affects it. That's why when I, uh, uh, I was thinking about it, it's really more than just diet. It's like what you did is exactly what needs pe- what people should do. Because first of all, you exercise, second, you listen to music, you relax, and all of this affects our microbiome and help it to be in balance and encourage the beneficial organisms or uh, bugs to. Take over instead of the ones that cause disease. So what you did is the right way, and this is one component of what people should do to try to get over, you know, uh, depression, anxiety, as well as stress.
0: I mean, I feel like we could spend the whole conversation talking about the the question of chicken or the egg. Yeah. Uh, You know, and so the gut bugs and the fungi and the various different microorganisms that exist within us influence our thoughts and feelings and emotions. And then reciprocally, our activities and thoughts and feelings and relationships and the way that we breathe and everything feeds back into the formation of all of the internal constituents. So it's, where does it all come from? Where does it start?
1: That's where it starts is what we call the uh, gut-brain access. Gut-brain access, like... You know, we used to think the brain tells us everything, but now we know the brain talks to our gut, and and the gut, particularly the microbes there, through what they secrete, talks to our brain. So that's why bi-directional, uh, really, interaction or communication. So to me, it's all linked together. And you are absolutely right. It's not like one fit all, you know, one size fits all. No, we have to have a holistic approach, a complete approach to try to fine-tune this communication and when you do that everybody is going to be happy your gut as well as yourself which is the the microbes that live in our gut.
0: what's the starting point to even beginning to pick up the phone to have communication for someone that this seems like kind of a meta conversation of like okay what are these bugs what are my emotions why do i feel the way that i feel like how do you even begin to have the conversation with oneself
1: i mean you should when you sit down and think about your body, your body can tell you certain things. I give you an example. The, the good example is when you are under stress or you are facing a lot of work and this sort of thing, guess what happened? A lot of people start to have gastrointestinal symptoms. They have diarrhea, they start to have a little bit of pain, and so So you need to watch yourself. And if you start having these without actually an infection or a real disease, then it should tell you that there is some imbalance here that you need to take care of. And once you do this, then there are certain, you know, science have shown that certain things can start helping you to feel better, okay? And improve that situation so that not every time we are stressed out, we have to run to the bottom, you know? So I think that's how, how it starts. You really need to feel and think with your body. How do I feel? What's wrong? What am I? And then look at the big picture. Am I eating the right stuff? Am I really doing exercise? Am I sleeping well? And then once you put it together, you no doubt will reach a way where you say, you know what, this is what's going uh, wrong and let me try to do something to improve.
0: And what about specifically with, with mood, depressions, either the leading or one of the leading causes of disability worldwide you know and there's like the pandemic of the virus and then there's the other one of the the mental emotional effects of being disconnected from people and maybe losing work and a sensation of purpose or you know that sensation of like normalcy or safety where do where does our, our gut biome come into that conversation
1: I mean, this is uh, really the question is, is there a connection between the microbiome and depression? That's the first thing we need to ask ourselves. And you know, the good news is that there are studies that have been shown that people who are depressed, they have some imbalance in their gut microbiome, okay? And this imbalance can induce changes in our brain chemistry and behavior, okay? Remember, these organisms, they send messages to our brain, which could affect the way neurotransmitter work. The other thing which we really know is that nearly 60% of patients who are depressed, they can have intestinal functional disturbance. As we, I, just, I just gave an example, when you are not you know, stressed out, you start to have some GI symptoms. And in fact, there are certain diseases such as irritable bowel syndrome or Crohn's, you know what, because of the imbalance of the microbiome you will start to have these issues, okay? Now, when we look at depressed patients, the other thing we find is that you look at their microbiome, you found that they have low diversity, relatively low diversity. So let's break this up. What does it mean, diversity? Look, in our gut, there are thousands of microbes living there, okay? The more diverse, the more different they are, the better, So when you are depressed, what they were finding is that we have less number, like less people sort of, and not only they are less, we are seeing more of those that can cause disease. And the good bugs, such as probiotic strains, such as bifidobacterium and lactobacillus, they have been shown in people who are depressed, their, their level or abundance is really less than those who are healthy. So clearly you can tell these studies indicate that the microbiome can be a predictor of depression. You, you see what I mean? That's how we, collect, we connect them together.
0: I think that there's like clinically diagnosed conditions and then there's the, the kind of the gray in between where probably majority people exist more in that like liminal gray space.
1: Yes, yes.
0: You know, so is there some type of dietary protocol you'd recommend, some type of meditation-based breath work protocol, environmental, should we get in rivers more often? Is there like what's what's the 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 nuts and bolts to this?
1: Like to me, I think you need to take, as I mentioned, a holistic approach. It is not one thing. I suggest that people, for example, let's focus on the diet. Okay. Because you mentioned a number of things. Okay. It is clear that there is a relationship between diet and depression. That's why I think we should look at it. And how do we know this? We know this because it has been shown that depressed patients, they are those who really have a lot of intake, high intake of sugar or refined carb. Okay. In the flip side, people who are eating healthy, okay they have a decreased risk of depression. Let me give you two, one example. One example that people who, for example, eating Mediterranean diet, okay, the, this is the simplest I mention it because people can uh, recognize it and they know what it is. It has been shown that people who are consuming this diet, they really have improvement in depression. Their level goes down. In the opposite side, if you keep continuing eating the westernized diet, definitely the likelihood of having depression really increase. And because of this, I propose that, okay, what you should eat. I have a number of suggestions. For example, I would say we should eat mostly whole food, okay? Eat proteins with every meal. I know these are all general statements, but we can dive into the details, okay? Like, every day, I, I, I propose that people should have some oil, the good oil, like extra extra virgin olive oil or coconut oil. Also, it will be a great idea to eat resistant starch. What are resistant starch? The good example, bananas, for example, okay? Especially which is in the unripened side, sort of. Oat, corn, legumes, the beans are really, really good. You can have also winter Uh, squashes and now as you know we are going into this uh, time of the year where these will be available if you take them and roast them that will be fantastic i suggest eating a lot of fruits and vegetables taking apple cider is also great so okay i gave you a big list of what people could eat what things they should really avoid you know and and in this regard i think to reduce depression we should not have added sugar or sweeteners. We did a study where we showed that people who take sweeteners, you know, instead of sugar, guess what? They increase the level of a phylum, bacterial phylum called protobacteria. This protobacteria is an indicator or red flag for inflammation. So this shows you, you should really Don't eat sweet. Like, for example, when I was a young boy, I used to have tea. And in the Middle East or Mediterranean region, we put a lot of sugar in the tea. Now, I drink tea, but I don't put sugar to it. You know, you just get used to it. And in fact, you'll start enjoying the taste of the tea rather than the sugar. (laughs) You should not eat refined grains or cured meat, you know, no processed cured meat. So there is a lot of these things that you should follow. And then that is going to help you. So as you can see, we talk about diet now, but there are other factors which you mentioned, which I'm happy to talk
0: about. I remember when I went to Morocco like five years ago or something, I got off, went over, went from Spain to Morocco. So we went over that little gap thing, took a boat over yeah. there. And the guys have like these plates of mint tea. And I was so excited. I was like, oh, we're out of America. We're getting like some fresh mint tea. And literally like at least a fifth of the cup is just, just pure sugar maybe even <laughs> it felt true. like even more than like that and it's interesting yeah. to do you, you grew up in in lebanon
1: yes i grew up in lebanon and my brother jamil who is the, the I, I come from a big family like five uh, boys two girls my brother i'm the eldest of the boy he is after me my dad used to shout at him a lot of the time because he used to feel so much sugar as you said like it is halfway through it's sugar
0: is so, that just yeah. a, col- is that a cultural thing? I mean, I guess Americans are doing the same thing. It's just more masked.
1: Yeah. I think it's what you get used to. Like you are in any house and uh, uh, they put in the morning, you know, we have usually uh, like olives, you have za'atar, you, you know, and then yeah. tea. And with that, they, they get used to put too much sugar. Yeah. Like when I went back after many years traveling, I went back home, and then my mom wanted to give me. I said, "I oh, no, no, no sugar." And she said, "Oh, <laughs> this guy changed."
0: <laughs> yeah. So did it's you cultural? Did you grow up Muslim, or what was your religious upbringing?
1: Yeah, I grew up as a, a Muslim. I come from West Beirut, which is mainly a Sunni Muslim sort of, you know. And but my family were never really religious per se, you know, like they are not, they believed in God, they believed in stuff, they they fasted, but they were not conservative. My dad, my dad just loved people and my, my mom, but particularly my dad, he used to mix with everybody you know, and it didn't matter to him what, where you are. So I was brought up this way is I like, I always tell people I am like my dad. Some, some people say, Oh, you come to the West. You are Westernized. I say, no, this is how my dad was. He just loved yeah. people.
0: The reason I asked is I, I wonder if you've in your life's research, getting into the, the biome and things of the sort, if you've ever noticed or experienced or felt any connections from like spiritual, religious, connections to the consciousness of these bugs that exist within us or you've ever drawn any metaphors there and like as you're talking you're saying like we were okay with mixing with each other to me my mind says like oh i wonder if there's some type of gut flora conversation there that because the colonization of the internal habituants or inhabitants rather if they're open to combining with each other i wonder if that affects the personality and the perspective of the person in the world
1: oh no doubt about i always think about this the gut, it's like kids playing in a sandbox. You live in neighborhood. When I was in L.A., uh, at UCLA, we used to live in, in a place with a lot of apartments, okay? And in these apartments, people come from different backgrounds. So if they all get along together, everybody is happy. You know, it's similar to what in our gut. But if you have one or two bullies, everybody is going to be upset. And that's why to me, I, uh, if we talk about the microbiome, I always say in our gut there are bacteria and there is fungi as well. And guess what? They interact together. They play together towards our benefit or detriment, okay? So that's why, like, really, really, that's why I say diversity is so funny, like the way you and I talk, sometimes we go to, to this uh, tangent, but it is true. Diversity in society, the more we are diverse, the healthier I look at it, you know? Yeah. So it's the same in our gut. The more diverse, the more different uh, background people come from, the more different microbes they come from, we are in a better situation. That's why when I say, you know, depression have been associated with, remember, with a low diversity, okay? So yes, our gut reflects the society and the microbes the way they live is similar to us.
0: And what is the difference between the the fungus that exists within us and the bacteria that exists within us?
1: At a high level, the fungus are closer to our human cells than the bacteria. Bacteria, they are known as a prokaryotes, which means they don't have a nucleus, whereas our uh, the fungi, has a nucleus. So they are closer to us as at the cellular level, at the cell sort of uh, line, okay? The other differences between them, in general, fungus, when it is living in, in our gut, uh, they really don't cause a lot of trouble as much as bacteria, okay? So they, I, that's why I call them, they are opportunistic organisms. So they are happy living in the gut and this sort of thing. They don't cause any trouble, whereas bacteria could cause more trouble. As you know, we have more bacterial infection, for example. Now, when this balance, which we've been talking about, get disrupted, guess what? For example, candida, which is a fungus, can take the opportunity to start to cause trouble. So in a way... We don't see as much fungal infection as we see bacterial infection because they are not as pathogenic, or in other words, they are not as virulent. For organisms to cause an infection, they should have certain factors. We call them virulence factors or pathogenicity factors. They secrete some enzymes, which breaks our uh, the cell we have. That's the difference between them.
0: There's a couple of things that I think are very relevant to the present moment. One is sanitization or perhaps hyper sanitization and developing yeah. the story or the belief that the world's out to get you it's not safe to you know you need to be, count your touches throughout the day okay i touched that i touched that i touched that okay wash it wash it wash it and then you know your whatever sterilizing agent you're using that's on your fingers and then that goes onto your food and now you're sterilizing your insides yeah. and we kind of i think maybe many of us have the story that more sanitization is better is that at what point is that not true
1: I really like this question because for a lot of the time, remember, like how I want to answer it is, people, they used to look at the bacteria and the microbes in general as bad guys, okay? But in fact, it is not true because there are some good guys, okay? So that's why to me, if I don't advise people to be 100%, you know, aseptic, (laughs) like you go and clean everything, I think our body to encourage its immunity it's very important to get exposed to some of these bad organisms, okay? because then your immunity builds and you are able to fight it. That's why I tell people, listen, it's like you. You go swimming, you go walking in the park, you know, in the the woods, because it's good to get exposed to these organisms. I don't think having 100% sterile environment is really good for us, because we need the good guys. And by killing everything... That is an issue. I'll give you a simple example, which I hope people will understand. Like, for example, when you take an antibiotic, okay? You have an infection, you take an antibiotic, there are different types of antibiotics. Some of them are broad-spectrum antibiotics. What does it mean, broad-spectrum? It means they kill everything. They kill the bad guys and the good guys. And guess what happens? Then you'll start to develop infections, like C. diff, for example, Okay, or you'll start to have an overgrowth of candida, which is a fungus. So that's why sterilizing everything and cleaning everything and obsessing about it, I really don't think it's a good idea. Mm -hmm. You know? You need to be moderate. I am a great believer in moderation look, you go to the bathroom, wash your hands. You see, the sometimes we go from one extreme to the other. They go to the bathroom, they don't wash your hands. Now wash your hands. You know, so if you are moderate, you should be fine. And it does not hurt you at all if you go and let the kids play outside in the yard. You know, again, I can give you a story. My son, Afif, when he was a young boy, we were living in the Middle East. I was at Kuwait University. And we have our neighbor who has Afif's friend, he has a kid, and his dad used to give him this wide glove so that when he playing in the soil, he say, oh, look, look how dirty it is. You shouldn't play here. And Afif used to go and play and enjoy himself. You know, guess what? Our neighbor's son was all the time sick because he's so sterilized. Yeah. So so to me, no, we should have, be moderate. We should expose to ourselves to good bugs, you know. And of course, especially in COVID situation now, we need to be more careful because of the transmission. So to me, using a mask is not bad at all. When I used to travel to the Far East, whether it's Japan or China, you know, to give talks there, guess what, even before COVID, people used to have masks. And I talked to a Japanese the other day here. He works at Case Western, where I I am. I say, you know, so why did you do it? He said, you know, because if I have cold or flu, I put the mask so that I don't infect others. So we are helping each other by not really exposing others to bugs that we have and they are causing us issues
0: you mentioned getting hands into to dirt and i think it's it's such an interesting thing that you can literally purchase supplements that are like dirt sprays and you know a bunch of probiotics that we're eating where essentially we're just taking what we naturally would have ingested just by being outside and now we're in our domesticated scenarios and we're kind of getting these capsule forms of nature that we put in and we put on our skin and we get yeah. certain lotions and this and that and I just did this week, we released an episode with Dr. Zach Bush. He talked about the impact of glyphosate on plants and the impact that that has on not only our gut biome, but also specifically leaky gut.
1: Leaky gut, yes.
0: And these connections, similar of, of the way that, you know, perhaps our personalities interact in the world with our, our gut bugs and such, I think also, you know, we're a, a direct product of the soil that we come from as well. Yeah, yeah. And if we're pouring poisons onto the soil, which originally, you know, stems from a belief system of some sort, eventually that it influences us. And I, I wonder your perspective on glyphosate and the health of the soil and the future of the soil and does soil even matter in the first place? And
1: Look, I am a great believer in the environment I'm a great believer in we really should follow certain practices that we don't poison as you say like for example I'll give you people sometimes in agriculture especially in Europe in uh, the Netherlands you know what happened they use so much antifungals or drugs that kill fungus to on plant you know and their uh, crops produce and this sort of thing they what they did they created a fungus that is resistant to anti the drug that kills fungus in people. So now we are suffering because of this, because when this, and they showed it, this fungus, which was originally in the soil, infected somebody, and they could not get rid of it because of this. The other thing, which is a friend of mine talked about recently, you know, in fungus, there is a new fungus called Candida auris. This Candida auris, what's unique about it, it, it is... Resistant to all currently available antifungal. What we go to the doctor to give us medicine to kill the fungus, this there are certain strains that are resistant to all. And he postulated that because of the climate change. We changed so much climate, we interfered so much with our environment that we are helping these organisms to grow. So to me, it's the same. I really think it's good to not overuse these pesticides and insecticides, you know. The less we have, the better. Obviously, again, you see, we need to be in the middle. This is my message all, uh, all through. Don't try to say, no, 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 we cannot use everything bad. No, look, there are certain stuff which are good we can use, but don't allow other pesticides or insecticides that change our soil. You know, again, for the same reason, that we talked about our body taking antibiotics that kills everything is not gonna help us. The same if we put something in our ground that kills everything is not
0: really great. And then Dr. Bush, I highly recommend just listening to the episode because I would butcher anything he says for the most part, but he has some supplements that kind of counter the effects of glyphosate in the soil. Is there, like how would you approach that problem? Uh, Look, we
1: want to build Friendly gut microbes. Okay. And to do this, there are now science starting to show us clearly that this is doable. It is all in your hand. So, to me, start to what we mentioned, eat the right stuff. And sometimes, but like to come with you with respect to the question, we can take a probiotic supplement as well. You know, even it's not just food, but if you feel that you really need that, it doesn't hurt at all taking a probiotic uh, to supplement what you need, okay? And so that's what I really believe is a good idea, you know? And when you look at the uh, probiotic, you, you know, their studies have shown that they are good organisms, that they are generally regarded as safe or what you call grass. And the studies have shown that they're associated with Uh, since we are talking about anxiety with reduction in anxiety and depression. And what they do, so in a way, you are supplementing your body with beneficial organisms that can fight the pathogens, that can produce also some molecules called metabolites, you know, small molecules called metabolites. And the best of them is short-chain fatty acids, for example. Short-chain fatty acids are small metabolites such as butyrate, for example, that What it does, it really helps us and communicate with our gut brain and increase our immunity, okay? So yes, like you supplementing the soil with something to reverse the toxicity because of so so many chemicals are used, I would do the same for our gut. If you feel the diet by itself, the exercise, the sleep is not doing it, guess what? Try to use some supplementation, which is the probiotics. I mean... The good news about it is that we are starting to see more and more better science in this area, and the science is bearing out that, you know, this is beneficial.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's interesting how, maybe it's logical, it makes sense, but culturally we kind of go through these phases of myopically cutting out specific deductions. So right now, for a little while, we've been in the, the gut-brain axis phase. You know, and so it's like, okay, wow, it's like, you know, your brain, it's like, or your guts, it's like the cat brain, it's got millions of neurons, and it's like, it's, it's, it's this, they're connected, they're in a vacuum, okay, so there's this new vacuum, guts, brain, yeah. but I think that another potential deduction that would be interesting to examine would be the, the skin-brain connection.
1: Oh, yes, yes, I wrote an article about that, actually, it's called Gut-Brain-Skin axis.
0: Oh, perfect. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so can you, can you discuss that a little bit? Because it, I think that the, the relationship of our brains to our skin is, I mean, even from an embryological perspective, like from day one, they come yeah. from the same dermal layer.
1: Yeah, I, I can tell you something. Since we talked about our uh, antibiotics, this, there was a study which was done by an academician called Thompson, where he gave minocycline. Minocycline is a broad spectrum antibiotic. And this is taken orally, okay? So what he did, he looked at the gut microbiome, also at the skin microbiome. And guess what? Not only it changed the gut microbiome, also the skin microbiome. For example, the bifidobacterium, which I mentioned, Staphylococcus epidermidis, which is a beneficial organism, was shown in the skin, was shown to be reduced. So you can see there is a good connection. The other evidence that there is a connection between the gut and the skin, gut brain skin access, is they gave a probiotic called Bifidobacterium previ for patients with acne. And guess what? It showed that it really improved acne. You know, so even though we are taking it orally, these organisms are producing these metabolites that can go to the skin and then guess what, it really is helping in reducing acne as well. So definitely there is this connection between the gut-brain axis.
0: Want to take a moment and share about one of my absolute favorite snacks and companies in general. Those are hemp seeds, specifically from Eaton Hemp. I am a huge fan of these guys, especially the Eaton Hemp's toasted hemp seeds. They're like normal hemp seeds; they have an unbelievably delicious crunch that I love to add on top of my smoothies and into my salads and really most of my food items. I throw some of Eaton Hemp's hemp seeds. Hemp seeds contain all essential amino acids, which is rare for plant-based foods, plus hemp seeds are great sources of omega-3s, which helps to reduce inflammation and keep it in check, which is why they're one of the foods that I eat quite regularly. Eaton Hemp is proudly USDA organic and third-party lab tested, so you can rest assured it is grown in the finest soil, free of toxins, pesticides, and heavy metals. You can grab your own bag now by heading over to eatenhemp.com slash align. That's E-A-T-O-N-H-E-M-P dot com slash align. And use the code align for 20% off again that's slash align and use align code for 20% off. Plus, if you do not absolutely love their product, they have a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you got absolutely nothing to lose. It's literally one of my favorite snacks. I think you guys are going to absolutely devour it. One of the healthiest foods you can possibly eat for your body. And if you don't absolutely love it, you don't feel a difference, doesn't make your life a better place, then get yourself a 30-day money-back guarantee. Go over to eatinhemp.com slash lie for 20% off. I'd also like to take a moment and thank bio-optimizers. Did you know many of us eat a diet that contains practically no magnesium? Over 80% of the population don't get the minimum amount of the types of magnesium they need from diet alone because the soil in the United States is greatly lacking it. Did you also know getting enough magnesium drastically improves the quality of your sleep and helps you fall asleep even faster. No wonder many of us struggle to sleep at night when only 20% of us are getting enough magnesium daily that is ridiculous here's the thing if you're supplementing with magnesium most magnesium supplements only contain one to two forms of magnesium plus most supplements you grab on the grocery store shelves are synthetic and unable to be properly absorbed by your body this is not the case with magnesium breakthrough from BioOptimizers, and it's why it is absolutely my favorite form of magnesium to take i really dig this stuff for an exclusive offer for my listeners only, go to magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast. Use code align 10 to save 10% off when you try magnesium breakthrough. That's magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast. M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com slash line podcast. They also have a 30-day, I think it's even longer than that, money back guarantee. If you don't love the stuff, you don't notice a difference in your sleep. You don't notice a difference in muscle soreness and Generally relaxing your nervous system, get your money back. But I know that you will jump over to magbreakthrough.com/slash align podcast. Also, for a limited time, they were throwing in some of their best selling products, P3OM and Masszymes, with select purchases. So you get a chance to win over $50 worth of gifts and get yourself 10% off. Going to magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast. Get yourself 10% off on that stuff. I know you will absolutely dig it. All right, back to the podcast with Dr. Gunu. What should folks be thinking about or aware of in relation to the skin biome? Should we be paying attention to deodorants? Should we pay attention to perfumes, toothpaste, toothbrush? Uh, well, toothbrush, maybe. Well, maybe, maybe toothbrush, but the, yeah. the, the stuff, the shampoos, conditioners. Am I starting to become like an orth, orthorexic, you know, crazy tinfoil hat person with, if I start yeah. thinking about that stuff? Or, or how relevant is that?
1: No, no. I think, look, with respect to the skin, definitely, you now there are efforts to develop probiotics for the skin. And I'm sure you saw a number of creams that people are talking that, about, you know, these cosme- cosmetic companies that have probiotic strains. One of them, which I mentioned, Staphylococcus epidermidis, for example. There are studies done from uh, University of uh, California at San Diego where they showed that this works quite well. So in a way, you are trying to replace the lost ones. Now, that's why, like, to me, I agree during the COVID till we learned everything, you know, about it more. It was a good idea to do a lot of sanitization and whatever. And this takes us back to what we talked before. You don't have to kill everything. From time to time, it's good to have the beneficial organisms uh, as well.
0: Yeah, I feel, I mean, it might be a jump, but I think that if the mindset changes to the point that we are afraid of all, you know, everything that's outside of us, we start perpetually cleansing, cleansing, cleansing with these, these agents that kill bacteria, which is what, you know, who we are, what we are. Yeah. I, I think that you could relate that to being some form of, a, of an autoimmune disease.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Look, if you think about it, let's go back when a baby is born, okay? A baby that is born vaginally, they have better microbiome than babies who are born with C-section. Yeah. Why? Because through the vagina, they get exposed to all these microbes and their microbiome build better, okay? So it's the same concept here. The, the more sanitization you have, anyway, you know, like I'm looking at c like because pulled out, it's not exposed to all these, the microflora of the vagina that mother has, it really works against you. So definitely extreme sanitization, it does not make sense.
0: What about the million dollar question, Dr. Ghanoum? Cut Cutting lingus, fellatio, going down on another human being.
1: Yes. Is that a valuable, my... <laughs> is that valuable for our biome? Uh, that's definitely, you are changing your my, biome. But <laughs> i not going
0: to go there. <laughs> Did you say it is? It is? Why would why, you go it's there? It's important. Be... <laughs> that's an important thing in culture. Yeah. We're one of the uh, only primates that yeah. do it. I, Bonobos I, do sorry. it. We are Humans do to- it. Well, we need to talk about uh, it, Dr. Galloom.
1: Yes. Yeah, okay, okay. Look, definitely <laughs> there is different uh, <laughs> microbiome uh, in the vagina that uh, we don't have in our gut. Right. In fact, right. there are some good, one, good ones as well.
0: You know? There's good ones, good.
1: Yeah, there are good ones. There is lactobacillus uh, caprese, uh, You know, it is there, it's good. And uh-huh. people are now, again, develop some probiotics that are beneficial. So it depends mm-hmm. on your partner
0: depends on the partner how do we get our partners up you know to i mean if the, if the if the partner is not feeling
1: well and this sort of thing and sick especially in that area well you shouldn't do it oh. <laughs> yeah.
0: so how do we start to cultivate our partner's vaginal biome so that we can reciprocally feed each other
1: people are trying to develop probiotics for that you know yeah definitely definitely we, in fact, we are doing a study now to try to understand what is the good, good vaginal probiotic strains. You know, we are doing that. Mm. So it's, yeah, I'm sure down the line, like another two, three years, you are, we are going to know more about this.
0: What about butt stuff, Dr. ganum
1: <laughs> I didn't see many, <laughs> many studies in that. I think the butt, butt stuff could, could reflect what is in your gut, isn't it? Because it's fecal samples. It is. <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Very good. That's very good. It's very good information. All right. So, so this the same is the same conversation for the vaginal biome? Is it the same conversation as everything else, like the, like the gut biome and the skin biome, or is there anything specific that would stand out to be supportive to the vaginal biome? And no, I think there awareness. are
1: studies. There are studies which to show if you kill, uh, like for example, people who use a antibacterial, okay me give you a specific example. For a very long time, people who use tetracycline, women who use yeah. tetracycline, guess what they did? They killed the bacteria and they developed the candida infection, candidiasis, vaginal candidiasis. Mm. So it's really, it mimics that. The only thing is it's different types of maybe organisms you see, you know, based because, because it's also depending on the environment, specific site you are looking at. You know, but definitely, you can ap- impact them the same way you can impact your gut microbiome and mm. the oral cavity as well.
0: Has there been any research around the impact of sex with the gut biome, or is that like an un- untouched area?
1: You know, honestly, I didn't read a lot about, about that, I must say. Okay. I will, I will I'll be searching that subject, but I did not see many papers in that area.
0: Is there anything in relation to our gut biome, what we're attracted to and other partners? Because I know there's like the T-shirt study and various different research suggesting pheromones and we're very olfactory driven to, to finding a mate. Oh, is 100%, there, yeah, is, yeah. Is there anything in relation to attraction that you know of?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely that that plays a role. You know, it depends on my, what microbes. Remember, what we do a lot of the time, if you don't wash your teeth, you know, brush your teeth and this sort of thing, what's happening, you are having microbes that gonna have these olfactory chemicals that will put you off that. So clearly, yep. this is a player in the in the game.
0: Humans are so cool. We have all this this education and books and resources and all that stuff. But our instinctual biological mammalian selves, we know when something's off.
1: Sure, sure, yeah.
0: And then we and then we learn to start to kind of bypass those instinctual signals based off of our like bullet points of what we're you know our belief systems and dogmas and stories and all that stuff but if you allow yourself the spaciousness to really listen i feel like we're much more intelligent than what we give ourselves credit for i really
1: agree and that's why remember when we started this conversation i said we need to listen to our body and Mm -hmm. you know from a different level you know because that will help you and you know this is right this is wrong it's it's very complex we are a biological system it's very complex but Using our brain, using our thoughts, thinking a little bit about it, you will reach the right uh, conclusion. The problem these days, we have so many confusing social media, so many, everybody comes out with with these ideas, which are, there is no evidence to it. So if you go into there, then you may get lost a little bit. That's why, like, to me, look, we are very lucky because we have a brain, you know, try to think about it don't try to be swept just by emotions by you know mm. we need to, a little bit we need to be more mind, mindful of what we do
0: there's other interesting research in relation to, to love and specifically around infatuation and when someone's in that infatuated stage they will be less their sensitivity to, to pain is reduced and so it's it's literally, it's like the, the world feels better, you know, yeah. and it feels less yes. ag- aggressive, less prickly. I know I'm asking you all of these like left field questions, but I figure you probably have had all the standard questions, you know, a hundred times over. That's true. Um, so yeah, <laughs> so I'm attempting to bend <laughs> yeah, a yeah, yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. But I'm generally curious, do you think that perhaps our gut bugs influence the way that we love or the fungus that exists within us it affects that?
1: I really, it does. I really, it does because remember, Uh, We are going to have, because of that process, we are going to secrete some neurotransmitters, you know, which makes you happy. Like, for example, if your gut is balanced, guess what? There are studies that show that following exercise, you know, like you swim, for example, we start to see an increase in dopamine, which, as you know, it's a feel-good endorphin. Also serotonin, which is, again... 95% of this hormone is produced in the gut. So definitely, if you are feeling well, you are relaxed, you are infatuated, as you say, and you have more production of these two, whether dopamine or serotonin, because you are relaxed, you are less stressed, you know, guess what? You are going to feel much happier.
0: Yeah. Another addition to the whole psycho-emotional relationship of our guts and our biomes, you're familiar with toxoplasmosis, I, I presume. Sure, yeah. That's yeah. an interesting thing where it, you know it causes people to become more reckless, and it's like the Brazilians, from my understanding, a high percentage of I don't know about high percent. I'm talking out my ass a little bit, but there's a lot more of it down there, from my understanding, and it makes cats makes mice be attracted to the smell of of cat urine, you know, and so they go and they become this bold, daring little mice that are like you know you can see videos on YouTube if you look up talking. We will put this. Lindsay, if you're listening, put this in the show notes of toxoplasmosis cat videos. I think that's an interesting thing of like, who's driving this ship? You know, we think that we have sovereignty, but, you know, I don't think that that mouse probably realizes that, you know, it's being manipulated by something because it wants to get back into that cat.
1: Yes, I think the uh, toxoplasma—it's like a fungus—and some of it can, of course, cause uh, infection and this sort of thing. But this very interesting story that toxoplasmosis—it attracts the mice towards uh, the cats. It's the same, no doubt about it. There must be certain things because when I'm taking my dog for a walk, he loves to smell. Each stone that some another dog <laughs> urinated on, you know, feed yeah. on. So yeah. there must be something there that attracts these people because they know it. Like every time you walk near that, that stone, that rock, the dog. Stops there and s- yeah. sniff. I start right. to laugh. So it must be similar story to what the toxoplasma uh, is doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right.
0: So the, a couple, couple of the questions I had. One, I think an interesting conversation around gut bugs is things like dementia or perhaps autism and and like neurological yeah. conditions. Is there a bridge there?
1: Oh, uh, you just asked a question which I've been studying, my friend. Okay, which is. The autism, autism and the gut gut uh, connection. First of all, because of the gut-brain access, we know that the gut-brain talks to the brain and this sort of thing. And that's why there are certain people who autistic kids. What we did, we did the clinical trial, in fact. And we compared kids with autism with their siblings with no autism. Okay? And we, when we compared those, we found that there is imbalance. And we identified a couple of organisms that really are responsible for this imbalance. And now what we are doing, believe it or not, we screened 25 different probiotic strains, like a large connect, a collection, okay? And try to see can, which one of these organisms, the 25 we looked at, can rebalance the microbiome in the autistic kid. And we have in vitro data to show that we have out of the 25, we identified three different probiotic strains, okay, and uh, we are gonna publish this soon, okay. Three strains that are able to keep the bad guys down, okay. So I tell you, our next step is to, and we are actually in uh, talking to expert in neuroscience, yeah, you know, Biome uh, doing that, where they want to test in animal models, autistic animal model, to see. Can they improve their behavior? Okay, and if that works, they are going to go into clinical trial in actually autistic kids and see, hopefully, that it's going to help them. Wow! So this is an exciting area which we are into.
0: What are your thoughts on um, all the things with the vaccine and? the association to things like autism and things of the sort not this vaccine particularly but vaccines in general i know it's like a insanely contentious thing to even say the v word but do you have any thoughts on those those correlates
1: my opinion is that as far as i remember when i was a little kid i used to go at school and in the morning they give you your polio uh, vaccine they give you you know, for smallpox, for everything. So, to me, I am a great believer in vaccine. And I think vaccines, all of these, that's where social media is confusing the issue. As a scientist, I worked with these companies to help them with their antifungal. Okay. And what I found that sometimes when they come to me to test a compound, does it have antifungal activity or not? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, None of the companies I worked with for the last 30 years, except one, when I told them this doesn't work, they are happy. And in fact, I worked, in particular, since we are talking about the vaccine, I worked with Pfizer. They gave me an antifungal. They say, can you test it against biofilms? You know, this plaque that forms. And I tested and it didn't work. I said, no, it doesn't work. So guess what? They allow me to publish, okay? They never said don't uh, publish or anything. So to me, when I looked at the... Again, as a scientist, I looked at the data that they, the Moderna, the Pfizer, they looked at thousands, like 40,000 people when they did their study, and it shows more than 90% protection. So to me, it is no-brainer. We should do it. Now, is there some people who may have side effects? Look, any drug we use may have side effects, but it's the risk-benefit analysis. I think in this... It's very clear to me that having a vaccine is really helpful, and I don't believe in any of these theories that, you know, they are uh, hiding things and whatever, or it causes autism. I, I really don't, don't uh, uh, agree uh, with that, you know, and because of this, I'm vaccinated, obviously.
0: Is this like an area of expertise for you, would you say? It
1: is not really an area of expertise, but as a person, uh, as a scientist, you know, academician, I I follow this up because I want to understand. But yeah. I am it's not a, my area of it.
0: Yeah. I wonder just your just general opinion as an educated person in the realm of science. If you say like me, I've had the vid twice. I just got done having it and uh Which that's a whole interesting story, like the experience of of vid one compared to vid two, because they were very different experiences. Would you recommend I do being like a young fit person that's already has you know obviously has a, a pretty strong robust immune response to it and has antibodies and all that stuff? Do you think that? someone in my situation, would your recommendation be that still? And I know that this is not your field of expertise. Sure. So I'm not like, yes. yes. You as yes. Like, yes.
1: like to me, as I, as I told you, I think it does not hurt at all. The problem, uh, because we don't so know sometimes what happens. Some people, uh, even they are healthy, they could succumb to COVID. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So sure. that's why if we have something that can protect us, this is how my mind uh, thinking about it. I know there is enough data that convinced me that it is a good way to do it. I will be vaccinated for two reasons. Number one, it's good for me. Number two, because I don't want to contract the disease and give it to somebody else. Okay. So yeah, it's how yeah. I look at it.
0: All right, cool. Yeah. Well, that's that. I didn't have any intention of going into that. It's just generally curious, just no, no, as no. like it's like a friend. Like, what are your what are your your thoughts on it? Yeah, no. Uh, but that's
1: exactly you know with you as you know <laughs> I we, I love to. Uh, us talking and exactly it's a friendly com- conversation and i'm telling you first of all as you said I, it's not an expert it's not what i feel and based on my i am an old man like, right. so based on my experience in life and the advantages i see with vaccination in general i think this is a good idea
0: is there anything else that you want to uh cover before we we wrap up you have a, you have a book coming up
1: i published uh, the total gut balance book you uh, remember
0: the same as, as previous, there's not, a, there's yes, not a, as another previous, one
1: previous, I'm trying to work on a, another one. It's just like there's so many things going on. I'm focusing more on understanding the microbiome and the imbalance and how to correct it. Yeah. I, I showed you like one example is the autism. So what I'm doing now and taking a lot of my time is we, Biome, they uh, do the test, for gut test, and we have thousands of samples and in addition to the microbiome results, we have also met a meta-analysis, met a metadata about their stress. Their, okay. What, so now they, they are starting to look at what is the difference in, for example, women, okay, with no stress versus stress. And they are identifying organisms. They already actually identified organisms that the imbalance. What is responsible for this imbalance? And because of this, now we are, they are trying to develop a an approach, ingredient, for example, probiotic, to try to rebalance uh, this and hopefully reduce the stress. For example, so I'm I'm spending a lot of time on re, on thinking about these things.
0: What are the main biomarkers that you guys are seeing that are? associated to a stressed a stressed person?
1: We found, we looked at different, different microbiome members, you know, bacteria and fungus, and we're looking at what is the imbalance, and we identified these species, you know? And so that's the markers. It's very interesting. Sometimes you see, like when you compare the two, you see there is an increase in certain organisms in the no-stress people, whereas these organisms Are decreased in the people with stress. So we are trying to play this, do some correlation analysis to try to identify, okay, what is really the causative uh, uh, members of the microbiome that could lead to this.
0: Right, so people can get this test now?
1: What they can do is they can take the gut test microbiome, gut test that biome cells, and it will tell you about your profile, okay? your right. profile, microbiome profile. And based on this, the nutritionist will guide you to what to do. And of course, they look at other factors, lifestyles, you know, stress, exercise, and sleep. And then based on that, if you have this, like for example, you identify with stress, they are able to recommend uh, certain uh, approaches to try to rebalance that.
0: Amazing. And biome is spelled B-I-O-H-M. Yes. What are your thoughts on Paul Stamets and his work with fungus? And I mean, he's, he kind of is... is... It seems like he's leveraging fungus to save the bees and save... It seems like he has a solution to almost everything that's, that's wrong with the planet via fungus.
1: Look, fungus has a place to play in our environment. Like, for example, the simplest thing is without fungus, we will not be able to break down all the leaves that that falling in the fall you know? Sure, yeah. But at the same time, there are some of them which are not, not healthy. So fungus is fine as long as you are healthy. You are not immunocompromised. So even the most benign fungus could cause an infection if your immune system is down, okay? So to me, I am a fungi. That's what I do. (laughs) I study fungus. So I think fungus is very helpful as long as we keep it under control uh, if it overgrows. But also there are some organisms which are good, such as Saccharomyces cerevisiae, you know, saccharomyces, which we use for baker's yeast, making beer, you know, brewing beer. These are good organisms, you know. That's why we recommend that you eat some food, you know, fermented food that have these organisms. So I, I think, you know, it's just like the way you look at the fungus. Like one of the things I look at a long time ago, there was a big, big issue with respect to fungus growing in the homes, you know, when you have in home, molds in the house, in the sure. houses. And people were really so worried about it. So I had a fellow, infectious disease fellow, who worked for me. I was at training. I told him, he said, Duncan, really great guy. I said, Duncan, I need you to do a search on this. And we did extensive search. And we published this study in a Review of Clinical Microbiology. And we found, look, based on our research, we believe that if you are, have asthma, uh, then having a lot of fungus in the house affects. Now, it doesn't mean that you should not clean your house, get rid of it, okay? But a lot of these neurological effects and whatever, we could not find evidence to support that, And we published that in a peer-reviewed journal, as I mentioned, and... Really, it, it, uh, I think many people read it. Now it's not as much, but it used to be, oh my God, every day there is issue with the, the fungus in the house.
0: My last question is, what are your thoughts on the various different supplements on the market now using ashwagandha and lion's mane and cordyceps and, you know, so there's just like you know, some yeah, of the, yeah. the popular ones, chaga. What do you think of the bioavailability of these like powder-formed mushroom supplements?
1: I think this, as you said, like there is really hot Hot area now about with respect the mushroom supplements. I think mushrooms are good. They at least when you when uh, you know even when you eat them, you know because of their fiber nature, they have some good effect on our mind. I did not study a lot into 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 this the mushrooms per se because I'm okay. more more focused on medically important fungi. Okay. So I really cannot cannot tell you scientifically how strong is the data because i did not
0: focus on it at all for a long time i, I, I so greatly appreciate that response yeah <laughs> as opposed <laughs> to bullshitting well thank you so much man i always have so much fun getting to chat with you i really appreciate you very much
1: honestly uh, likewise honestly and thank you for having me as always okay oh, yeah
0: of course yeah. so what's the best place to point people from here if they want to learn more about
1: Bi- biome yeah biomehealth.com will be good and yeah i think that's. That's really the, the main thing. Biomehealth.com will be great.
0: B I O H M health.com. All right, cool. Thank you very much, sir. Take care. I, I greatly appreciate you. Thank you all for tuning in. Over now. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that podcast. If you dig it, please share it with your friends, share it with your family. The way that this show gets spread about is through you guys, so it's so darn meaningful that you guys are tuning in, that you're implementing the lessons that we get from these episodes and from the folks that are kind enough to share conversations. If you'd like to share on social media on the Instagram, would be a likely place. You can tag me at Align Podcast, and love seeing the parts of the episodes that you guys dig and. And just appreciate you so much. If you are inclined and inspired to leave reviews on iTunes, that's fantastic. I read all of those guys. And that's a great way to spread the show as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning in. Appreciate you very much. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for doing you. And I'll see you next time.